Hello, UFC fans, and as the calendar will soon flip from June to July, welcome to a UFC 276 episode on the Big D Podcast. Before bringing today's special guest, please subscribe, like, and share the Sparky Spectrum Sports YouTube page. We can see all the content. Got some best ball and uh, NMC self videos coming out later this week. Also, check out the Big D Podcast on Spotify and Apple. So uh, back as he was for the last couple of UFC pay-per-view episodes is uh, Fantasy Labs, Action Network, Exterminator, Bugamir, <laughs> uh, my friend uh, Billy Ward. Billy, uh, what's bugging you today? Yeah, nothing today, fortunately. I get to stay in the nice cool basement and talk fights, which is a lot better than being out in the heat working. Oh yeah, let me tell you. Let me tell you, be an AC guy in 95 degree weather would be fun. <laughs> but no, very exciting card we got coming up, two title fights. You know, as we were talking about before the show, we got a pretty wide line in the main event, but reasonably close co-main event. And then only 12 fights, which isn't my favorite from a DFS standpoint, but we'll get into that in a second. Yeah, so how about the main event at 185 pounds? Uh, let me see if I can pronounce these guys. Israel Adesanya Adesanya against Jared Cannonier. 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 And for the uh, middleweight bout on Saturday night, the first thing I noticed for this fight is, wow, how about minus 384 favorite? Uh, I mean, Adesanya... 22 and 1. His only loss was uh, a UFC title fight at 2 or 5 last year. So obviously, we know what he can do. Uh, what do you think about the uh, one about the uh, middleweight champion on Saturday night? You think he's warranted of a minus 280 line? I, you know, I honestly think this line's too wide. I put it down earlier in the week he was minus 365 and it's even creeped a little bit now we're seeing minus 380 minus 400 but but i like cannoneer's chances that the odds were getting him and i know it's it's more of a gut feeling than anything else and i said the same thing with uh talia santos against shevchenko but we see these dominant champions that they kind of start looking past people they kind of start getting a little bit too comfortable and i think we're at that point with israel adesanya you know he's already talking a lot about potentially fighting alex Pahea, who's fighting on the same card you know, in his next fight, and that's the guy who's beat him in kickboxing and his whole thing. So I think he's looking a little bit past Cannoneer. And we haven't seen Cannoneer as much of a wrestler in his career. He got to take down against Brunson, which kind of surprised everyone. But I think if he executes a similar game plan to what Jan Blakowicz did against Adesanya, he's got a shot. And Cannoneer, for those who don't know, he's fought all the way up at heavyweight. He is a big, big middleweight. And Adesanya is not even a particularly big middleweight himself so for a guy who's came down a couple weight classes we saw him just get manhandled and pushed around by Blakowicz I think if Cannonier is smart he's going to do the same thing try to keep him against the fence drag him down smother him a little bit and I think he's got a shot you know he's got long arms he hits hard he can land on the brakes a little bit Adesanya is going to want to dance around and kickbox but if Cannonier can get a hold of him and drag him down it's going to be a tough fight for him so this is one where I wish we had like a point spread system to bet on MMA where I could just bet on it being closer than the line said. We don't. So I'm going to be betting a little bit on Cannoneer and also going to have a lot of him in DFS. Yeah. To me, thinking about Cannoneer's last fight with what he did against Brunson and the fact he's fought bigger guys. I mean, 
could attitude, could the could Blackwood's fight be what Cannonier looks at? Because obviously I was at 205, and even then the champ was probably a it's probably a light 205 because he's not even a particularly big middleweight compared to the veteran compared to his opponent on Saturday night. Yeah, and if you check in the weigh-ins, he weighed in at 200.5 when he fought at 205, which to me, you know, as a guy who's done some weight cuts and been in some different weight classes, that strikes me as that's just what he weighs on any given day is about 200 pounds. You know, he might have balked up a little bit for that fight. So if anything, he's probably going to be under 200 when he gets in the cage. Where Cannonier, if I had to guess, I'd say he's probably pushing 210 come cage time, which isn't, you know, huge. He's not as big as Blackowich was by any stretch, but he should be able to play a little bit of bully bully fighting here and just be in his face and make it tough. And, you know, from a DFS standpoint, you talked about the lines being long. He's also the most expensive fighter and I can't really justify paying up for him. I think he's a pretty bad tournament play. His last two title fight wins, he got 75 and 85 points. That's not going to be enough at 9,400 in salary where a guy like Cannonier could lose the fight, pick up a few takedowns, get a lot of control time against the cage and pay off at 6,800. So you know, we'll talk a little bit later about the overall cash game strategy, but from a tournament standpoint, I think Cannoneer is a far better play and should also come in at slightly lower ownership because Adesanya is just so popular and has that name recognition where everyone wants to click him. And, I mean, you look at Adesanya, I mean, 22 fights, I mean, 15 of them have been knockouts, the other seven by the city. So it's either he knocks you out or it goes to the judges vote. And we've seen with a few... Uh, with a few judges' decisions, the UFC judges do not score the fight like uh, we non-professional judges score. And they don't score the fight like they used to. You know, it used to be a takedown you pretty much guaranteed to win the round as long as he didn't pop right back up, which was bad, and I'm glad they fixed that. The other thing that's changed a little bit is they're rewarding damage more than they're rewarding volume in terms of the striking and that's definitely going to favor cannoneer he hits harder he looks like he's swinging big and heavy and you know this isn't a video game where the judges see how much that life bar goes away they're trying to visually assess damage so a lot of times a guy like adesanya who's so smooth and kind of relaxed even if he's hurting you more than it looks like the judges can't tell that so i think there's a sneaky route here to cannoneer throwing what looks like bigger shots, even if they're partially deflected or slipped or whatever, then those getting rewarded more than Adesanya just staying at range and touch, touch, touch. You know, I don't like to try to base bets or decisions based on what I think judges are going to do because you're going to come out behind if you play that game. But in this one, I could see that angle being in play. Yeah. And, I mean, you look at you look at it, I feel like with main events lately, especially title fights, that they've been – some weird ones. I mean, I can remember the Nunez fight, which she somehow lost as a as a as an insane favorite, and maybe maybe. And it seems like at 185 pounds, there've been some weird ups. There've been some crazy upsets. I remember Chris Weidman ending Anderson Silva's long streak many years ago. So maybe there's a new era coming. Yeah, you know, just I think it's kind of natural where people they feel like they've cleaned out the division. You know, before this fight, Adesanya was having rematches against guys he's already beat. Has he gotten too comfortable? Is he looking past Cannoneer to try to fight Alex Pahea and, you know, revenge his kickboxing losses? I think those are reasonable questions. You know, I'm, I've seen the line move a little bit. So if anyone's in a legal betting state, wait a little bit, you know, wait till Friday or Saturday to put this bet in. But I think Cannoneer is a real good play. 
at his odds? Well, you know, in trilogies in any sport, bring excitement, bring a little bit of hatred, and often bring a lot of controversy. And in the co-main event, we've got all of that between Alice Wolkowski and Max Holloway. Be honest, when I, I look back at both fights, I think Wolkowski, the uh, Aussie won the first fight, but seeing the second fight last night, I think Holloway will be stewing that he lost the second fight because to me, it looked like Holloway won the second fight fight by controlling by controlling the octagon, being more aggressive and limiting what what the former rugby player could do with his leg kicks. Because the, looking at back in that first fight, how Holloway's calves looked like he ran a marathon. Yeah, it, it, this one's tough. I I get that angle, and you know it was a razor close fight. It's just really hard when we've got a trilogy fight where one guy won the, both of the first two. You know, I don't really see an angle here for why we can say that Holloway is going to have improved more than Volkanovski. Volkanovski has looked great in both of his fights since then. You know, and might be the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. And Holloway has been impressive too, but this is a guy who's already had, you know, some issues with concussions and head trauma. He's Holloway is younger, but he's had more fights in his life. He's been knocked out. I believe once or twice where Volkanovski hasn't. So it's really not, I don't really see the angle here for why. No, he's only ever been submitted. That's my fault. So neither of them have been knocked out, but he's taken a lot more damage. He's been in a lot more wars. I just don't really see an angle for why we think this one's going to go any different for Holloway. And to call back to our judging conversation, this is another one. Holloway lands a lot of shots, but none of them look as hard. Where Volkanovski throws hard, he's a lot physically stronger. You know, he's five inches shorter at the same weight class but he has a two and a half inch reach advantage. So everything's pointing me towards Volkanovski here. I really like his price in DFS at 9,000. He puts up a ton of points. It wouldn't be a fight that surprises me if both these guys make it in the optimal from a DFS standpoint, but from a betting angle, I just don't see how this one goes any different than the last couple. So I'm all about Volkanovski and the champion to retain in this one. Yeah, looking back on it, Volkanovski may be a 145-pound guy, but I don't, th- I don't think there's a pound-for-pound hole to punch her in. With Max Hall, the one thing that worries me about Max is seemingly all his fights go to decision because, like, the last umpteen fights, it's been a decision. And, yeah, the last two fights he put up, what, what was it, 360 points? No, it was, he went over 200 against Rodriguez, or no, against Qatar with 445 significant strike, which is just insane. But that's, a, you know, that's another reason where I think these guys could both end up being in the winning lineup is they both have a ton of volume. Volkanovski has all the grappling upside here. You know, he, he mixes those in a lot better than Holloway and looked good in the second fight when he did start going to the grappling. I think, you know, as well-rounded and as well-coached as he is, he's probably going to go to that wrestling early where Holloway has to worry about being taken down so he can't throw all of the shots he wants. Volkanovski can throw with reckless abandon because he's the only one going to bring it to the mat. But both of these guys just have a ton of volume. So there is going to be a tremendous amount of points from a DFS standpoint. And for cash games in particular, you just play both of them. Don't think too hard about this one. I'm not worried about it. Yeah, how about this line? Minus 200 for a decision bout. I mean, to be honest... This seems like a this seems like another 25 minute fight. I mean, they've already fought 50 minutes against each other. What's another 25 in the octagon? 
Yeah, I actually, you know, I haven't really looked at the props yet. I usually do that later in the week, but my gut says the opposite of that. If you can get plus 170 or whatever to end inside the distance, I don't hate that. You know, Volkanovsky, we saw him against Jung where he kind of wears you down and finishes you late. That wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me if he got it to the ground and finished him there too with some ground and pound or just beat him up enough. You know, I mean, obviously it's more likely than not to go to a decision, but if we're getting that kind of odds on it, I actually don't hate laying a little bit on the this one down early. Uh, Volkanovski, the win by knockout, TKO, DQ, submission, plus 275, and Holloway is plus 500. Yeah, I don't see Holloway finishing Volk, but I could see it the other way around. Just, you know, he's got the grappling and the power advantage. If we look at their knock, well, it's pretty close on knockdowns in their career, but, you know, Volkanovski definitely seems to swing bigger and harder. So, yeah, you know. I would probably just even bet the fight just to end that way, if anything, but that's probably about, what, 170 or so? Uh, let me see. They might not have it up yet. It's early in the week, too. Uh, da, 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 da. Zach Method, knockout, plus 200. No, I'm saying uh, ends inside the distance is plus 155, so that's not quite enough for me, but, you know, not financial advice. Check in with me later on the week, anyone, if you want to know how I'm actually playing that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, be honest. I mean, it would be weird if Max Holloway lost three fights, but maybe the fact that, I mean, I don't think, even though Max Holloway is 30, he feels like an old 30 with all the fights because he's right. been in the uh, been in the war since he was, what, 20, 21 years old and eventually it, father times always undefeated. And he pretty much doesn't have those clean fights that we see from Volkanovski. Like, Volkanovski barely got touched by Jung, never looked to be in trouble, never looked hurt. Holloway is just in an all-out war seemingly every single fight he's in. And, you know, more often than not, they go his way. But, man, you only get so many of those, you know? And then eventually and then eventually, it catches up with you. Right. So uh, what other fight are you looking at seeing on the uh, card after the uh, two title fights? Yeah, super entertaining card. I'm really interested in Sean Strickland versus Alex Pahea. For those who don't know, Pahea was a super high-level kickboxer, beat Adesanya twice, once by decision and once by knockout in K1, and is now came over to the UFC. I believe this is his third fight. And I think they've said that, yeah, third fight in the UFC. He had a flying knee knockout in his debut in the second round, and then a unanimous decision over Bruno Silva last time. But I think Dana White has already said that the winner of this one is next in line for a middleweight title fight. And I've referenced that a little bit without Asanya looking past him. But man, this is a good fight. You know, Strickland's been on a tear ever since he went up to middleweight. I'm really leaning towards Pahea pretty heavily on this one. I think he's just got all the stoppage upside where Sean Strickland really tries to outpoint people. And I don't think you can outpoint a guy like Pahea for 15 minutes and keep your head on your shoulders. So Someone's going to have to put this one away, I think. It's way likelier to be Pahea. But we're all looking, you know, we're all rooting to see that trilogy with Adesanya one way or the other. So it's a really good one. I'm definitely betting Pahea. I really like him for DFS. I think whoever wins this one will probably be in the winning DFS lineup just because the salaries are close. And Strickland gets there with volume where Pahea is likely to win by a knockout if he wins. You know, Strickland throws more punches per round than Volkanovski, for example. It, you know, three weight class is bigger. That's pretty impressive. That usually leads to a lot of points. Where Pahea has just got such dangerous strikes, he's likely to get a knockout. So that's another big one. Great DFS fight. You know, I'm definitely betting that one. I think most of us from a DFS standpoint are probably going to try to fit Sean O'Malley in our lineups. The other huge favorite on the card. 
just kind of seems inevitable. He goes through Pedro Munoz. I don't know if you have any different thoughts on that one. Nick, uh, you're right. I agree. I think O'Malley is probably the chalk play, even maybe not quite what the title fights all, but I mm. feel like for the non-title fights, O'Malley feels safe. But uh, the fight that maybe the fight that intrigues me and seeing two old, two old stallions go at it. How about Jim Miller and Cowboy Cerrone? I mean, how many times have they been in have they been in MMA fights? I've lost count of like 102. Yeah, I said they're both over 50 fights, but I don't know. Like from a fan standpoint, I don't really care all that much. Neither of these guys are ever gonna fight for a title again. Doesn't really impact their rankings. From a betting and DFS side, Jim Miller's a little bit heavier favorite than I thought he would be at minus 210. So I I could almost see the angle on Cerrone. I'm gonna try to have a little bit of him in some tournament lineups. But, yeah, you know, this is the third attempt at fighting for Cerrone in, like, a month. Fortunately, this one's 170, so he doesn't have to go through a crazy weight cut again. But he's been knocked out. You know, we've gone over it on past pay-per-views when he's supposed to fight. His recent track record is terrible. Miller's been mildly better, I guess, in recent memory. So I'm definitely on the Miller side of that, but not one that I'm super excited about, either from a gambling slash DFS standpoint or from a fan standpoint. I'm just saying it, seeing two old guys and maybe finally seeing Cowboys from me fight somebody after what his last couple of fights against Joe Lu- The last week he was supposed to fight what Joe Luzon and guess what? That didn't happen. Yeah, got canceled twice. But yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of just Miller's actually won both of his last two fights. So I should have taken that back. But I, I don't want to see Cerrone get knocked out anymore. I don't really think we need that anymore. I actually like him at his odds against Miller more than I did against Joe Lozon, but I'm still, yeah. You know, another fight, they, one of the featured prelims is uh, Ian Gary versus Gabe Green. Now, that one should be a banger. I don't know if you know much about either of those guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Undefeated, again, undefeated Irish man, of course, with nicknamed the future. I mean, not right. more. And I think that fight's got a lot of potential. Yeah, and, you know, Gabe Green looked really good in his last fight against Johan Lyonese with the knockout. Gary, he won his last fight, but people were pretty disappointed. You know, like, it wasn't a ton of action. He didn't look dominant. So I think this will be another good fight where he only landed 74 significant strikes in 15 minutes, which isn't a ton. I think this is a really good spot for Gabe Green and DFS at only 7,400. I like Gary to win this fight, but, you know, I'm I'm not playing him in my cash lineups or anything like that, just mm-hmm. given – given the salary, and I think the odds are probably a little bit wider than it need to be. So, obviously, it's Tuesday afternoon, but uh, are you thinking about playing all four title fighters? You're thinking about playing three of them because, you know, the last last time we saw a main – UFC pay-per-view, we uh, freed Oliveira, and uh, that went well for us. (laughs) <laughs> yeah um well no the last time was uh the light heavyweight and then the shevchenko santos which i think yeah. that actually worked out fairly well yeah. you know glover scored a lot of points in the loss but at least... thank you thank you yeah glover scored a lot of points in the loss so i kind of wish i would have had him but you know from a general strategy point it worked out pretty well but man this one's tough because i like the underdog in the main event so i'm definitely gonna play cannoneer and you definitely have to play both featherweights and cash. Like, there's just no way even the loser in this is going to have a good score. So that's three. And then 
is it worth it to fade out of Sanya? Do you think there's other guys up at that salary point that can outscore him? You know, I think I'd rather have O'Malley than Adesanya for sure, even with the five rounds, just because Iz has put up some disappointing scores even in his wins. But, you know, it's not that hard to get both of them in there. So the only way I can see – the only one I could see leaving out is Adesanya, to put it that way. I'll probably have all four in my cash lineup, but if you really like Muniz and O'Malley and can't fit them otherwise, I actually don't think that's terrible. I think Cannoneer, from a price-considered standpoint, might have a better score even in a loss than Adesanya. But if you're willing to go out on a limb like me and think he wins, then it's a pretty clear path. Who was who was the guy you were saying again? Who was the uh, guy again? I can't – I don't know if I can – Last time around? No, uh, no, the guy you just mentioned now, not the title fight, but the guy who could be... Oh, yeah, yeah, we didn't, t- we didn't touch on Andre Muniz, who's taking on Uriah Hall. Muniz has looked awesome. He's about minus 240 or so, opening line, pretty expensive. He's, uh, let's see where he's at, 4-0 in the UFC, three submission wins. Uriah Hall just lost to Sean Strickland. You know, Uriah Hall's 37 years old. His win before that was just because Weidman broke his leg. His win before that was against a million-year-old Anderson Silva. You know, he hasn't looked great, even though he's won a few fights in a row. I think Muniz is one of the top prospects, even though he's not super young. And, you know, his grappling is just levels and levels ahead of Uriah Hall. So he's he's a real safe play, it feels like, from a cash standpoint. I usually don't like to go after submission guys, though, because if that submission comes in the second or third round, he might not have got that many points along the way. So that's, you know, my real decision is do you want both Muniz and Sean O'Malley or are you comfortable with Adesanya and one of those two, likely Sugar Sean? Yeah, could the, uh, I mean, is 400 bucks Wolf having maybe two more rounds? It's not even, you know, the salary because Muniz to Adesanya is 200 bucks, 200 bucks, excuse me. Yeah, you know, it's it's 100 more than Sugar Sean, 200 more than Muniz. I'm definitely not playing Macy Barber at 9,100, but that's a different story. But it's not really even the salary. It's just, do you think these guys are going to outscore out of Sonia? Because if they win, they've shown, you know, Muniz has at least 90 points and three straight wins, where Sugar Sean has scored like a million when he beat up Chris Moutinho for four rounds. But he's got 116, 147, 101. So over 100 points and three straight wins. Out last win, 75. The one before that, 85. Knocks out Paula Costa, still only 102. Beat Yo Romero, scored only 49. So we've seen a lot of bad wins from Adesanya where if you're equally confident in O'Malley or Muniz getting a win, their win probably comes with more scoring than even five rounds out of Adesanya. And so like I said, you know, if you really like is find the salary. It's 200 bucks. Like, it's there. It's not that hard this week, especially if you're playing both Cannoneer and Holloway. But I don't know that he's a better play even with the extra rounds. It just makes it it just makes it intriguing because it would be weird if you fade him because you're taking a bit of a gamble and then if somebody wins, he doesn't put up a lot of points. But if you use him, then you're taking a gamble that Moonians on a Maui won't score eight million points. Right. Well, and you know, if you're going with the strategy that I'm currently suggesting, and I might not for the record, I might probably I shouldn't say probably. There's a good chance I end up with all four title fighters. But if you're if you're fading out of Sanya, it's going to be real nervous watching that last fight because you're going to be cashing going into that one. And if Adesanya knocks him out quick or has a dominant performance, you're just going to watch that currently winning go all the way down in a hurt. So it's, it's scary. And nobody likes being in that position where you're just hoping nothing happens for a fight. But it might be the right play. And if you've already got 120 points each out of O'Malley and Muniz, you're probably fine with it. 
Yeah, and then you watch, and then you're watching last week, and everybody tied for 252nd place and 250 people t- <laughs> catch. I don't think I've ever seen where like everybody's got the same line. I think we're gonna see something similar this week because if you go Adesanya, O'Malley, Holloway, Volk, and Cannoneer, there's only two spots left, and I think it's not or there's only one spot left. I'm sorry if you already have O'Malley. So I think everyone, not everyone, I think there's going to be a lot of people with those five and then either Alex Pejea, Brad Tavares, or Drickus Duplakis, or maybe even some people on Strickland. But most of those people probably going to be on Pejea would be my guess. So I think that's going to be a real, real popular build. We could run into that. You know, if you don't want to chop and you want to either win or lose, fade out of Sanya. That's probably the way to do it. It's going to be unique enough that you're not going to be duplicated with a lot of people. Yeah, and interesting. Usually we talk about cash, but for from a GPP build, to me, am I crazy? But for a GPP build, would I be would I be crazy? But I think I would fade Anderssonia and Holloway and play Volkanovski and Ken Year thinking Ken Year could win. And if he got any win at sixty eight hundred, even if it's a 70 80 point win that that's all i need yeah i think cannoneer is pretty clearly the better gpp play in this one you know holloway and bulk there's angles on both i wish the salaries were a little bit closer on them but that might keep ownership a little bit more reasonable on volkanovsky i could also see playing you know the same strategy we're talking for g for cash is not going to be very popular in gpps with both holloway and volkanovsky and we've seen it a handful of times I've been keeping track of it personally since last October, but there's been, I believe, three different fights or three different events where two fighters from the same fight were in the optimal lineup. And the odds of that are way higher with Holloway and Volkanovski than almost any other two fighters. And with only 12 fights on the card, doing that kind of sneaky, unique build is going to be more valuable than it would be on a 15-fight card like we had the last pay-per-view. Particularly if you have somebody, if you use the main, if you use the challenger at sixty eight hundred, because you've got, you've got, got two guys at sixteen two, and then somebody at sixty eight, so you could still jam in O'Malley, you could still jam in Munoz if you want. You could, and you can also then still leave some salary on the table, which is another way. When there's only twelve fights like this, I think one of the, you know, really anything under. 12 or down, I'd say. Leaving just a little bit of salary and not spending all the way, I think, is one of the best things you can do. Just because most people feel like they have to spend 50, 49, 9, 49.8, where you're going to have some unique builds if you don't do that. You know, so if you have 8,500 left and then you spend 7,700 on Brian Barberina, how much of your competition is going to leave 800 on the table? Not too many. So over a long sample, you know, that's going to be, I think, the better play, unless, you know, Adesanya comes out and absolutely wrecks him, and then I'm just talking horribly here. So, which is absolutely possible, and that's what the odds makers think is going to happen. So, that is what it is on that side. Yeah, and then Adesanya puts puts up 45 points in a bowling fight, and we're all watching we're all watching uh, boxing, which is not not fun from the USC point of view. Yeah, and it's just I try to think of it from like kind of like a flowchart or if then, but. There's multiple ways that fading out of Sanya for cash or GPPs can work out. So even if he wins, if both Muniz and O'Malley outscore him, 
then he's probably not going to be in the optimal lineup. He Even if he wins with, you know, 90 points, but those guys get 120, you'd rather have those guys at a cheaper price. If Adesanya wins with 45 points or even 75 points like he has, probably not going to be in the optimal lineup. And then, of course, if Cannonier comes and beats him, there's almost no way at 9,400 that he can make the optimal lineup without also getting a win bonus, unless it's just a real weird night of boring cards so, or boring fights. So there's just more all ways for that to go the, wrong. Or both guys put up a million points like the like the last title fight did. I just don't see that with these guys. You know, neither of them, both are good strikers, but both of them throw less strikes than the average UFC fighter per round. So they're not coming out here throwing wild, throwing a ton of volume. Adesanya is very patient. He sits back and waits. Cannoneer's not going to run forward throwing bombs because he knows he'll get caught. So I could see either one of them putting up a good score, but the odds of both of them doing it in this one are extremely low. Like we're not going to see Glover versus Yuri where we have this crazy wild samurai who lives in the forest throwing strikes and flipping around like that's not going to be this fight this is going to be a lot more calculated i think it really comes down to whether cannoneer wants to and is able to wrestle but even that's not going to put up a ton of points because he's going to work for the takedown for a minute or two maybe get one per round it's not going to be like like we saw gamrot versus saryakin where they're doing these crazy wild scrambles it's not going to be that kind of wrestling in this one either yeah, and then but yeah, and then everybody's going to be befuddled thinking, why did I spend eighty bucks on this pay per view? Well, you're spending the money because you get Volkanovski versus Holloway right before it. You get <laughs> Alex Pahea versus Sean Strickland before that, which is going to be a banger. We got Sugar Sean coming on. We've got Brian Barberina fighting yet another ancient fighter for some reason, which we haven't even talked about. I think Barberina is a slight underdog. Fantastic bet, fantastic play. Robbie Lawler hasn't won a fight against anyone other than Nick Diaz in like six years or something. Nick Diaz didn't even want to be there. And Brian Barberina makes a living out of uh, beating up old guys. He just beat Matt Brown. I think, I think Barberina is a fantastic play. Maybe not for cash because he's not that, that cheap, but he's another one. From a betting standpoint, love this fight. From an entertainment standpoint, I don't know, man. Do we really need to see Robbie Lawler in there here in 2022? Probably not, but the UFC loves giving us these old guys. I mean, you've got Cowboy Cerrone and Jim Miller. Just put, just put Robbie Lola in there. I know, but can you imagine how excited we would have been about this in like 2011? It would have been awesome. But Brian Barberina probably would have been in high school or something. I don't know how old he is, but he <laughs> no, might have been in middle school. Fall, you know. <laughs> I'm exaggerating. Brian Barberina is actually older than I am, but still, you know, I just I, I have a hard time as a fan with these fights where like. There's no rankings implication. No one's going to fight for a title. I don't know if something – and Uriah Hall is the same thing. Like, he went on a little run, but what are the odds we ever see Uriah Hall as fighting for a title? Or, you know, do we really want to see him in there against Adesanya? Like, it's not zero, but it's pretty damn close. And I just – I don't know why we're still doing it. And I don't want to lump Hall in with the other guys we've mentioned because he's been solid lately. I think – He's a very good test for Muniz, and if Muniz rolls through him the way we're expecting, then we have a legit contender on our hands. But, yeah. And, man, honestly, even Jessica I is not really in the prime of her career anymore. She's 35 years old, has lost one, two, three in a row. You know, why do we still need to do that? But that's just me. Some people love the nostalgia factor. So thanks for hopping on, Billy, and uh, hopefully we bring home the cage this weekend. Yeah, I'm 
it's actually a really good night of fights. Wish we had a little bit more than 12 of them on there just so we weren't trying to pull out all these stops to have a unique lineup or maybe getting duplicated and winning less than we put in like both you and I did last week. So maybe next time. Yeah, blame Misha Tate for, Misha Tate for that. Yeah, I wasn't going to play her anyway. But, <laughs> but all right. Always good to talk to you, Dylan.